I was snorting and shooting and smoking crystal meth. By the time I was 33, my old ways had me chase away my first wife, wasn't a part of my kids, my family wanted nothing to do with me, and and I had lost everything that I owned. It's so much more than just getting sober and getting wealthy. Uh, wealth has a lot of meaning to it, much more than just money. Wealth for me is pouring back into the lives that the Lord has given me the responsibility to steward over. You know, my wife and I are somewhere around 3,000 doors between the stuff we own, the stuff we partner with people, and the syndications that we do. If this knucklehead with an eighth grade education, I never finished ninth grade, uh, can accomplish the things that I've accomplished, what's your excuse? Get it done. This is the Sphere of Influence podcast, and I'm your host, Moni. Here, we dive into entrepreneur journeys, tips on how to be better entrepreneurs, and how to use social media to promote your business. And joining me today is an amazing person, Rob Roswell. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, by the way. Okay, it's Roselle, but everybody gets the S and the W swap, so don't worry about it. Yes. It's so and I've, I and I try to practice it before and for some reason i kept doing the same thing backwards i'm like oh my gosh sorry but thank you so much for joining me i appreciate you making the time i know you're busy and you have such an inspirational story and i'm so grateful that i get to sit and talk to you and share this with my viewers uh for those that don't know about you it's um uh, you are a formless, homeless drug addict, and you turned around your life. And along the way, not only did you um, get a Achille, is Achille Award for author, Achille right? Award. You're, yeah. a, you're a decorated yeah. Achille Award author and a successful real estate investor. Um, and you do a lot of nonprofit stuff, too. So that is so amazing. So, so tell me, how did how did it all start for you? Um, like going back to even before getting into the homelessness, tell me about your story. Well, I will tell you, Moni, before I start my story, I just want to let your listeners know how we met. So we met at a WealthCon event, which Correct. is Brian Panetta. And Moni is there do, practicing what she preaches. She's working on herself. She's getting fed motivation, inspiration, education, so that she can go back to the tribe and continually pour into the people that she's in charge of. Right. So, and we're all in charge. We all have a tribe. So I admire you for that Thank because you. you are not a complacent person. You are wanting to be your best version of you because you know that God has a mission all mapped out for you that you better be prepared for like we all do. Right. So that's pretty important stuff. So, uh, so I, I commend you for that. I want to make sure that your listeners know about that side of you, that you're oh, not just you. doing the status quo. So uh, my story starts with my with me just not having a whole lot of supervision as a as a young man. I was 11 years old. My mom, God bless her, she was um, she was a single mom. And doing the best that she could, and like a lot of single moms, she had to work a lot of hours, so I didn't get a whole lot of attention. Um, uh, positive male influence, that, that's the term that I'll use, uh, that I had in my life or that I at least accepted in my life. There were some in my life that I put up a wall between myself and them. 
Uh, and because I didn't have that positive male influence, I got around, I started hanging around with a lot of older crowd, if you will, you know, for those of you, and I don't talk much about this, but I'll share it with you. You know, I had really bad acne, even as a very, very young person, 10, 11, even as early as nine years old. And as you know, from going through it yourself, people in that age group are pretty brutal as far as taking, you know, taking shots at you whenever they get the opportunity. And I found that if I hung around with the older crowd, the 17 and 18 year olds, they all had acne and it wasn't that big of a deal. Nobody made fun of you for that stuff. So I did start hanging around with that older crowd because I was accepted into that crowd. And that crowd was smoking weed and drinking beer on weekends down at the railroad tracks. So and that's kind of the crowd that I got in with. Well, fast forward to about the age of 13, and I was, I was snorting and shooting and smoking crystal meth, wow. and the progression progression was a very rapid one for me. Yeah. And um, I had moments of my life in between that time and 33 when I got sober that I really was uh, plugged into uh, a higher power for me. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. I give Him credit for every bit of goodness in my life and all the positive things that happened to me. Um, but and I was plugged into him, but I would oftentimes not have deep roots and therefore go back to my old ways and go. So by the, by the, by the, by the time I was 33, my old ways had me chase away. My first wife wasn't a part of my kids. My family wanted nothing to do with me. And, and I had lost everything that I owned. And by that time was living on the streets with no, no place to, to call a mailing address. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, when I got sober at 33, I stumbled across a book by a man named Zig Ziglar. And the name of the book was See You at the Top. And that book flat out changed my life. I don't even know where I got that book from or where I stumbled across it from. But I read that book cover to cover. And I still have that book to this day. And it's highlighted and underlined. And, and it taught me that God doesn't make any junk, that you and I both have the the seeds of greatness in us. And all we need to do is water and cultivate those seeds. And we can be the best version of that God wants us to be. And from that, um, I lost 70 pounds because when I got sober, I needed to lose, I needed to gain 30 pounds because I look like Skeletor. I look like a walking skeleton from just getting off the drugs. But but I gained 100 pounds, so I had 70 extra pounds. I look like, a, and I'm a small guy. I'm five feet, seven inches tall. I look like a snake that swallowed a mouse when, I, when I'm 70 <laughs> pounds overweight, right? I did. I look like I was six months pregnant. And uh, so, I, so I lost the weight after reading that book. I quit smoking cold turkey. One day I was, uh, I was driving. See, here's what I didn't realize. Uh, and I won't fast forward over this because it's very important. When I got rid of the drugs and alcohol, I switched addictions to food and cigarettes. I didn't realize it, but I had replaced those habits with new habits, and they weren't good ones. It was abusing food, and it was smoking four packs of cigarettes per day. So, um, so I went. In, I, I'm, if you can picture this, 33 year old guy driving a motorized skateboard with handlebars to work. That's I didn't have a license, so that's how I got to work. And, uh, and to all my 12-step meetings, and I'm driving in my motorized skateboard to work, and I pull into the liquor store where I normally would buy my cigarettes and a coffee, and I said a prayer under my breath, Lord, take the cigarettes away, and I bought Lifesavers and candy, and I started 
sucking on those all day and night for the next few months until I was completely weaned off of cigarettes. I never picked up a cigarette again. Wow. Isn't that crazy? It's pretty yeah. cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. powerful. Our, our mind is powerful. We could do so much. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, fast forward a little bit further and, um, and, uh, well, let me see. I, so I quit the cigarettes, but here's what I didn't realize, Moni, is I was very close to relapsing on drugs and alcohol because even though at two years clean and sober, uh, just before I lost the weight, just before I got rid of the cigarettes, I was miserable, depressed, to, in the eyes of the world, and here's the funny thing, and you see it and I see it, a lot of people with, with through the eyes of the world, they're super, super ultra successful, they got six-figure incomes, maybe they own their home, they got new and nice vehicles, they got a beautiful wife or handsome husband, just got it going on, but but they're literally miserable inside because there's something missing, and for me, that missing piece was my spiritual life. You know, having a one-on-one -on -one connection with the Lord. For me, that's, as I mentioned, that's Jesus Christ. For me, that connection is what I was missing. And one Sunday morning, I woke up. It happened to be Easter, and I knew I, went, I needed to go to church, and I rededicated my life to the Lord at that church service. And exponentially, things just got better in my life. I have no explanation for it. It's kind of weird, but but uh, to, or, or, weird to describe. But that's that's the exact series of events that took place. And, yeah. and uh, I started working for a guy that was my last job that I ever had. And uh, it's a funny story because, and I talk about it in my book. My book is Addicted to Life, How I Went from Homeless to Extraordinary Success and Happiness. And in my book, I talk about when I went down, I didn't, I still look like Skeletor. I didn't, I looked like I was using crack, even though I wasn't. And I went to work a day of all places because I knew that I, my job in the past had been as a service advisor. I work for auto repair shops. I'm the guy that you drop off the keys to and then calls you and says, hey, Moni, you need a water pump and radiator hoses and a coolant flush. And this is what's going on. And this is how much you want me to fix it. That was my job. And I didn't look like a guy with a a lot of my teeth still missing and looking like Skeletor. I didn't think I looked like a guy that could do that job. So I went to work a day who at least would start producing some income. But I filled out the application for the first time ever. I filled out the application honestly because back in the day when I was when I would have some momentary lapse of reason and I wanted to get sober, although I didn't, I tried, I would go to work a day and I figured out their system. If I filled out that application and I just said what I was capable of doing, I'd usually go get the job for $5.50 an hour. That was minimum wage digging ditches all day. So I would, I would be a little bit, um, misleading we'll call it misleading on the applications and i would say that i could do a bunch of things i really didn't know very well and i would get a job for 18 bucks an hour but it would last two days to they would figure out i didn't and they they figure out i didn't know what to, how to do that stuff and they'd get rid of me but this time i filled it out honestly and i said i got a little bit of plumbing i got a little bit of electrical and i filled it out money like i was a service advisor now think about this who goes to work a day looking for a service advisor answer Nobody, no, nobody's gonna. But this application is like a waste of time. I'm thinking, but when she it was my turn, she said, "Come on up, Mr. Rosell." She she gave me a job working as an electric electrician's assistant. It was 11.50 an hour. That was big money back then. I was pretty excited about that. She said it would last a week. It lasted three weeks. But here's the clincher. 
because I filled out that application honestly, she she looked around, she looked to her left, and I thought we were done. She kind of looked to her left, and she looked to her right. She was stalling a little bit. I realized later for her employer, her fellow employees to get out of earshot, and she reached in her purse, and she slid across the counter a business card, and she said, my husband owns an auto repair shop, and he needs a service advisor. Give him a call. Wow. And that was the last, and I went, I applied with him while I had that electrician's helper position for a few weeks. He, him and hawed, but he ended up hiring me. And it was, a, I worked for him for the next four and a half years. I was, I worked under his tutelage. Little did I know that he was training me by his example on how to own an ethical, honest auto repair shop. The last mm. job I ever had. Mm. And four and a half years later, a shop became an auto repair shop became available not far from where my father lived in California. I was in Phoenix. He was in California. And he would tell me when I went there on vacation because, you know, that's what that's what Arizonians do in the winter. We escape that heat for a weekend or two. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to see my dad from time to time. And he would tell me about his friend, more of an acquaintance, but his friend who owned an auto repair shop. He had five sons and they were his exit strategy. And one at a time, they all told him, you know what, um, I, I don't want to do auto repair anymore. So he was telling my dad how the shop was losing money. He had one son left. It wasn't going that great. And I told my dad, look, tell him that your son does this for a living and would love to talk to you about buying your store when, it, when the time comes. Well, three years went by. Three years later, my dad called and said, Sterling's ready. And I said, I said, who's Sterling? Because I didn't even remember. <laughs> I didn't even know who he was talking about. Wow. And he said, Sterling, my friend that owns the auto repair shop. And he wants to sell the store. But, and this is this is literally December the 1st, right in that area, Moni. He, but he wants to sell it by the end of the year. And immediately, like you, me, and everybody else, I had these 100 reasons why that couldn't happen by the end of the year immediately start coming into my head. But my dad convinced me that I needed to be on a plane and come check out this shop. And I did. And uh, thank the Lord I did. You know, that really changed my life. Um, we Long story short, on January the 2nd, we owned that auto repair shop. I purchased that store, my wife and I, my wife, beautiful lady Claudia and I purchased that store for no money down. Uh, the seller got money. It wasn't money, but he worked with us. My father put a little bit of money down. The seller did some, we did some creative financing. I actually bought my first three auto repair shops no money down and wow. i go into i go into detail on that in my book i won't waste too much time i told you about the first one but long story short we ended up with five auto repair stores or wow. you know 2004 2010 2014 2018 2020 we bought five mm -hmm. stores and uh, in the meantime we were flipping houses cuz i start i wanted to be a good steward of god's money um, and, and our store was doing our auto repair store when we had one even was doing very well. We were stacking cash, as we call it in business ownership world. And it was stacking cash. Things are going well. And I want we wanted to be good stewards and make sure the money was was being you know, the investing side was being handled properly. So we got some education from Robert Kiyosaki. Um, he had the time had a school called Wealth Intelligence Academy. So we, we signed up for that. And uh, and and two years later, 
we were flipping houses, buying rentals, doing wholesale deals. Two years later, we were inducted into his school's Hall of Fame. Mm. Pretty cool, right? Uh, International Hall of Fame. And at the Hall of Fame induction wow. ceremony, uh, David Lindahl, uh, who's the GOAT, the greatest of all time that I know of, and, and multifamily, all these education companies that are around nowadays all stemmed from, not all, but 90% of them stemmed from his education. Mm. He was dancing on the stage talking about multifamily, and I got excited, and we signed up for his education. So been doing multifamily ever since. And um, and then I, I know I'm going on and on here. but No, I'm no, no worries. That, that, that's what it's all about. <laughs> I love it that, you know, that you're sharing your story because sometimes people don't, people only see you at the top of your mountain, right? And they don't get to see the struggles that took you there, right? Like the, the being homeless, the not having a mom that they just see, oh, somebody that's, that, that is doing so well. And they forget that that person has a story, you know, Amen. and me, I didn't grow up with much because we were, we didn't have a lot growing up. My mom was a single mom and she worked most of the time and I kind of became the parent. So I think those moments and those struggles, they really make us the better version of ourselves. You know, they teach us things that we wouldn't have learned otherwise if we didn't go through that, you know? So, and I love your story because it's, it's a, it's a happy ending, right? You went through that, that period of your life where you went homeless and you got into the drugs and you were addicted and you were able to come out. And that to me, it's like, I want people to hear that because there's hope. There's hope for everybody out there that whether it's drugs or whether it's like, maybe things are not going well. Like, there is hope for you out there. Like, don't give up. Um, and I know it's easier said than done, right? Because we're not in your shoes at the moment and we're not dealing with whatever it is. But keep hope and lean on the people that that um, have that hope and that could bring that positivity into your life, you know? Absolutely. So, no, I, I appreciate Absolutely. you sharing. And going back to your book, like, what, what, how did that come about? Like, what, what came up? to you and said like, Hey, I want to create this book. Was it sharing your story for other people? What was it? You know, I honestly believe that the Lord doesn't take us through those things so that we can sit and hold a remote control in our hand. I think that's very important for all of us. You don't have to be homeless on the streets and addicted to drugs and come back from that uh, in order to have the ability to help somebody walk through a minefield that you've already navigated so successfully, right? And it doesn't matter whether that's a teenage mom, whether that's a, a, a wife who's had a husband pass away or vice versa. So a husband has had a wife pass away. Could be a, 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 a teenage kid that's on drugs that somebody else has been through that and now has a successful um, uh, adult that's drug free. Whatever your story is, you have a story to tell and God takes us through those minefields so that we can share it with others and help them get through it. So the book, you know, it only takes about 50 messengers for us thick-headed people to get the message, right? That's so I had so many people that knew just a little smidgen of my story, Moni, that said, look, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. You need to write a book. I heard that for 10 years before I finally took action. And I always had it birthed in me, but I knew 
I didn't want to go to my grave. And then this is this message is for somebody right now. I didn't want to go to my grave without my message being told, without the story being told for a couple of reasons. Number one, to plant the seed of belief in others that they can do. If I can do this, you can do whatever, whatever you're battling. And then number two, to give God the glory for the thing that he's done in my life. Because it's absolutely amazing, amazing um, transformation that he's allowed in my life. Not just because... Again, I don't sit and hold a remote control. I'm still involved to this day in the recovery world. Uh, we do. Uh, for those that don't know about our ministry, we take groups of 100 people three times a year down to Tijuana, Mexico, and we build five houses each time we go, 20 people per house, and we build five houses. And uh, and we've, we're actually accepting applications right now for our April trip, April 11th through the 14th. So it's so much more than just getting sober and getting wealthy. Mm. Uh, wealth has a lot of meaning to it, much more than just money. Wealth yeah. for me is pouring back into the lives that the Lord has given me the responsibility to steward over. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, I, I think people forget often that that part to give back, you know, and, and I love that um, whenever I can, in any way that I can, I give back, I, whether it's volunteering um, I, I grew up in, not in a gang, I, I grew up in an area where there was a lot of gangs and I was subjected to a lot of people like that. So I try to give back to, uh, there's a local place here in Orange County that gives, you know, that deals with a lot of children that are, you know, gang exec members or still gang members, you know, so that way or volunteering at the homeless shelter, right? And it's, it doesn't have to be grand. I mean, I love that you are doing a grand because you can, but know that you could also do small little things, you know, Absolutely. donating to your local causes, you know, but tell Absolutely. me more about this um, project that you have going on out there and why, why did you direct it to Mexico? You know, I went down with my church in 2021 for the first time, because I had been on a few missions trips more as a spectator um, to do exactly this down in Tijuana, Ensenada, and build houses. And generally those trips, in case you've never been on that trip, it's five to seven days. It's usually not very organized. And you just kind of go with the flow and you just carve out whatever time the the, the leaders that it's going to take. And sometimes you do some... Um, you, do, you also do some outreach while you're there, whether it's at the orphanage or in the town that you go to. This is a little bit really just concentrated. So when they said that you could do it for in two days, I said, there's no way, right? So I, I, I got to go. I got to go check this out. So I did. And sure enough, we arrive on a Friday morning. We're building that day. We're building on Saturday and we're driving back across the border early Sunday morning. So it's like a day and a half to wow. build a home. And it's because they've got it down to a science, Moni. They they pour the slab. They have all the right amount of lumber, right amount of windows, outlets, sockets, light fixtures. You name it, it's all there, ready to go. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you literally, when you show up, they've got a you know those. You'll help set up a jig, and you start cutting wood at the you know 50 pieces this length and that length, and they're ready to go. And before you know it, the walls are going up. Like literally wow. within a few hours, you're, you're standing the walls. But here's the coolest thing, and I love this. The family has no idea that it's going to be furnished. It is a 16 by 20 house. 
and it's got two bedrooms and a kitchen mm -hmm. and we take them we distract them and take them to costco to go shopping mm -hmm. and uh and and uh while they're gone we pull the furniture out we build the kitchen table the bunk bed the master bed we put in the counters we put in the refrigerator we put it all in there so when wow. they come back we have lunch and then we we do what's called a key ceremony and we send the key around the circle of people and each person that's participated in building of the home says a little special message to them we present them with the bible and and a plaque with a photo of all of us that we just took 20 minutes before and they walk they walk through the door and they close the door and they get to be for first time in their house as a family and the windows are open it's usually pretty warm down there and 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 you can hear them crying with delight with happiness i mean it's just it's there's not a dry eye in the house trust me when i tell you and then this is what's really cool then we knock on the door and they open it and we are all all 20 of us their house guests for the first time. And it is so awesome, man. We say a prayer. We say a prayer with them over the house. And they don't have to be Christians to be a recipient of the home. Uh, but you know, we just we just bring the Lord with us wherever we go, man. So it's it's just a it's just it I will tell you the people that are blessed the most, as you know, you've served, is, is the people that serve. Man, we 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 take home more of a blessing than we leave. It's crazy, but it's true. Mm hmm So true. And so do they do they get to apply for them to get the house or how does, how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. So they go through, uh, we we partner up with a, with a team that's already down there. It's called YWAM youth with a mission. And this YWAM is all over the world, but this is their Tijuana hope for homes. I'm, I'm sorry. Homes of hope, homes of hope, which is the vid division in Tijuana of YWAM. So they, they pretty much do all the application and, and selection process for us. Um, you do have to own the land because they don't want to build a house that someone can take away from them. Right. So they, usually they just like you and I make payments on a house, they make payments on the land. Mm. So they're living in a shanty, literally plywood, pallets and a tarp often. Wow. Um, and it's a tiny little shack that they've built on their property. And I don't know if you've ever been to these third world countries where you look at the homes and they look like they're someone stopped building them they didn't stop building them they're still building them they only build them as they can afford to buy materials which right. is a little bit at a time because they're making payments on that land so basically we're pushing them forward seven to ten years because now they're not only just making payments on the land they're, they're making payments on land and have a house on the land yeah. so it's amazing yeah that's got to be life-changing you know for somebody that doesn't have much and and i have seen those houses i i've been through i've been through tijuana which tijuana is very um developed right but i've been through i can't remember which part of mexico and i seen houses like just on the little mountain and i'm just like oh my god are those uh, are those houses like are those real houses somebody lives there because they look like little shacks right so to have that you guys do that for them it, it's got to be oh my gosh to be able to be a part of that so gratifying first of all and life-changing for them so that's amazing absolutely life-changing you hit the nail on the head because here's what people don't realize and i learned a lot too um you know once you get rid of that dirt floor and you have concrete you reduce disease in those young children by 800 percent 
and here's here's a weird one but it's true um, you increase them going to high school by 180 percent because they have a kitchen table to do their homework on that's amazing wow that is amazing so yeah it is absolutely life-changing everybody that goes with me once always signs up to go again the following year we go three times a year we'll do april july and october this year and how's the weather when you guys go out there you need to come yes you know i you i need to, need to talk to you about it after that. we need to yeah. get together and yes definitely <laughs> i might have some a, um, a friend that might actually be down to go with this so awesome awesome so yeah to answer your question about the weather we do it rain or shine i've been pretty lucky and we always know within a few days what it's going to be like. And we just dress accordingly, pack accordingly, and we build. So the volunteers do the physical labor or? Okay. Yes. Yeah, they give us an what they call an A builder and a B builder, which those are the guys that have done a hundred of these. Mm. And they guide us and they direct us and they build with us and they help us with the electrical. And But yeah, so we definitely do swing a hammer. Mm -hmm. uh and but if you can't swing a hammer there's plenty of other things to do okay. you don't have to have construction equipment or even own a hammer because everything we need is already down there oh nice okay well good to yeah. know I'm, i have a little bit of a bad back so i have to be careful with like physical labor but but i i'm definitely down to help in any way roller. that i can You'll be, you'll be doing there a roller. Go. That's all. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you go from? Okay, you went from your your um, homelessness to owning your businesses, which is amazing. And then, how amazing. did you get into real estate? Because now you mainly focus on real estate. Do you still have your shops? You know, uh, we had a private equity firm come along in 2021 and really liked our concept and our and our image that we had created in San Diego, and they purchased our auto repair shops, all of them. Congrats. Yep. Yeah, cool stuff. And then you cool went stuff. into real estate. No, remember, I, was, uh, I had bolted the real estate on when I had one store. We started flipping houses and doing wholesale, and then I signed up for the multifamily. And then we oh, slowly right. but surely progressed into larger buildings. Now, you know, my wife and I are somewhere around 3,000 doors between the stuff we own, the stuff we partner with people, and the syndications that we do. Yeah. Wow. 3,000 yeah. doors. That is amazing. <laughs> that is what amazing. are you revenueing yeah. a year from those? Yeah. Uh, you know, the I don't know the revenue. I haven't added them all together, but the value of all of them together is about 120 million. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool. Looking back, what uh, what would you have told yourself being in the in the situation that you had found yourself or put yourself in? Because we 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 choose right. We choose certain certain uh, things, and we put yeah. put ourselves in situations that are not the best. But you know, it's sometimes most of the time self inflicted. You know. So what, looking back, what would you have told yourself? You know, there's a saying in the book of Alcoholics Anonymous that says, we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. That is my story. And un unfortunately, and, and fortunately, both, right? It's hard, hard to call it unfortunately, but unfortunately, that's the path that I had to go down. Fortunately, I went down that path because you know what? I've seen through the things that we've accomplished, my wife and I, that we've done far more than many people who never lost that those years that we're talking about that I was addicted to drugs and alcohol. So I, it's unfortunate that I had to go through that pain and put the people in my life through that pain. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's fortunate that I went through it just because 
look at what it's made me do and get off my butt and get into third gear and not sit around holding the remote control. So I think the success that I have today is maybe because of the, some of that lost time. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. You know, and, and not only that, but the lives that you get to ch- touch because of where you've been and the roads that you've traveled, you know, and, and the people that could relate to you because you've had that story, right? And that background and the lives that you're going to change with your story. It's pretty amazing. So definitely it, it is unfortunate that other people, because of our choices, other people have had to suffer, but fortunate, fortunately for other people, because we get to share our story and change their lives and, and give them hope. You bet. Yeah. So what, what do you think, what, what was the biggest relationship that you ran across that shaped you into becoming an entrepreneur? I will tell you, um, working alongside my boss, his name was Richard. Richard for the last auto repair shop that I ever worked for somebody else, last job I ever had for that matter. He wasn't, um, he wasn't, uh, he, he was a God-fearing, Bible-believing guy, but he wasn't a practicing Christian. I wouldn't call him that. But just by his example, his belief in me um, was amazing that he believed that I could do it. You know, he gave me the responsibility eventually of running that store. And we honestly, we took that store. I say we because he still worked with me. Um, It was a store that was part of a franchise that had 25 stores. And by my second year working for him, we were top store out of the 25. Wow. across the country. So we we started breaking some records and the confidence that goes along with that as well as the income. Because again, I was making north of six figures a year. That's one of the reasons why it was difficult when my father called and said, this business is now available for me to make the change. That's not easy. You know, we get, we get comfortable in our lives, don't we? Yeah. 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 And, and it's, but I easy. refuse to go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I refuse to allow that comfort and complacency even now, you know, because chapter one of my book is titled, You Gotta Be Done, right? Until you announce to the world and, and yourself that you are done living the way that you've been living, when that doesn't mean drugs and alcohol, certainly it was for me at that time, but it's also, I'm done being 20 pounds overweight. I'm done working for 50 grand a year, 60 hours a week. I'm done with that. I'm done being a mediocre husband. I'm done being a mediocre dad. I'm done having a lukewarm spiritual walk. Whatever whatever you're done with, and, and, and you just got to make that decision. I And I even now, 2024, I've told myself that I'm done in certain areas as I've gone through my goal setting. Chapter two is, in, is titled, and you got to get uncomfortable and take action because until you take action, all the talk in the world doesn't matter. You and I yeah. both know that, right? Yeah. yeah. All the, the all the talk and the learning and the listening to podcasts and yeah, it's all about taking it's action. All preparation. I, yes. You the, yeah. You need preparation, yeah. but taking action, that's where it's all at. So, you know, you have to do it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's pretty cool stuff. And I, um, yeah, so I just, even this year, like I said, 2024, we've got some very large goal sets and people ask, will ask me from time to time, why? Why do you keep going at the pace that you're going? And I be, and it's kind of like what we started, not kind of, it's what, like what we started this conversation on is 
God's got a plan for all of us. He's got a plan for you and you, Moni. You can do some things that I can't do, and I can do some things that you can't do. And I can touch some lives that you can't touch, and you can touch some lives that I can't touch. So we need to, number one, prepare for that mission that he has planned for our lives. And number two, we need to take action and start getting into that. So that 2024 is where we're setting as a foundational year for us to really, Lord willing, I'm around a few more years, um, we're going to really set the pace for some amazing things. Yes. Yeah, I love that. So for for you, your main focus is multifamily. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm current. We're currently working on a project here in Las Vegas that is 233 units. And this this combines two worlds of mine. Number one is multifamily that I'm so passionate about. I'm very good at and I've uh, had great success and bringing great returns to my investors that believe in me that are passive investors that just invest in my syndications. So that's world number one. World number two is the homeless thing because when I was living on the streets homeless, um, I only ended up finding a house because what I figured out very quickly, and some people will relate to this, when you have bad credit and you have a criminal background, you're not going to go through the normal things and be approved for an apartment that you need to go through. So after wasting hundreds of dollars on application fees and figuring this out, we then figured out what we needed to find was a ma and pa owner that would rent that rent to us that wasn't going to do those checks. And sure enough, we found those people. Mm-hmm. and by the grace of God, we ended up with a home to rent when my coming out of sobriety. But there's a program here in Las Vegas called Rapid Rehousing Initiative that provides housing funds to help people like where I was, like the Rob Rosells coming off the streets, coming out of prison, coming out of jail, coming out of re- drug rehab. It, it transitions them back into apartments. What they need mm-hmm. is landlords, in this case, it'll be us, that will lower their standards a little bit on credit, lower their standards a little bit on criminal background. We won't allow um, violent crimes or sex crimes, but for the most part, we will be, because we want to protect the community, but for the most part, we will be helping these people transition from a some state of homelessness through this program into our our complex. So 233 doors that we're making available to this program, we've already We've already closed on 122 doors of it because we broke it up into separate LLCs. We're already in the operations takeover process for the 122 doors, already putting people in those doors. We're closing on another 111 uh, here in the next 30 to 45 days. And and our investors that come into the project, we still are accepting applications for investors. Uh, the, the investors that come in, they're buying into all 233 doors, even though we've already closed on some of them. So fantastic returns putting a dent in homelessness. We absolutely love this project. It's very, very cool. That's amazing, you know, and and it's all because of your journey, right? Because otherwise you wouldn't have the mentality, you know, it takes somebody to go through an event to be able to relate to something, right? Some people might say, oh, that money would be better spent with other uh, other people, right? But because you've gone through that, you know that that's where the need is, right? And you're you're focusing your energy there. And, and it's amazing that you get to do that. Um, and for those people, I know for people that haven't been or don't have the background of, of um, poverty or haven't gone through stuff, it's might be, hmm, it's not easy 
to say, hey, this is where I'm going to focus my energy or people should focus some energy there. Um, but for those people that have been there and life is a little bit harder, you know, life is it's right. it's challenging. But when you make decisions to getting gangs, getting drugs, it just becomes a little harder. And yes, it is self-inflicted. But having a helping hand gets you out of there. It's going to make your life a little bit easier to be able to get out of there. So I commend you and your company for doing that kind of work because we need more people in the world that are thinking of others and not just themselves and how to become wealthy. Right. And, and not give back in any way, or just, just think of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. No, again, you know, once you get to a certain level and I talk about it, we have an inner community at, um, for the book called the uh, ATL all in community. And we talk about the different pillars because we believe in full rounded success. Our walk with the Lord is number one. Number two is our relationships. Number three is our personal development. Number four is our wealth. Number five is our contribution. Contribution is is a big part of that because once you are to a certain level, um, it, it, it makes no sense not to want to be helpful to the community that changed your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And so for the people that are, because, uh, you know, this is mostly entrepreneur stuff. And the reason, the part of the reason why I created this podcast was because I didn't grow up with any knowledge about being an entrepreneur. My mom was a single mom, worked hour, like two shifts together sometimes to make ends meet. I started working when I was 12, doing whatever I could, you know, to get some money in to help my mom. Right. So we didn't have much and everything that I've learned has been self-taught or because somebody else took the time to share it with me. Right. So I'm here providing my, my service that I provide for my entrepreneurs or the people that are maybe sitting on the fence thinking about do I, do I want to do this? Do, can I commit to this? Can I do this? So for the people that are out there trying to be in real estate investing that are maybe thinking about um, multi-units, what, what would you say is their biggest barrier of entry, right? And what tips would you give them to get into this um, realm? Hey, that's a great question. And many answers to that. Well, the greatest barrier, honestly, is right here between our ears, because it's it's funny how Satan has a way of trying to talk us out of what we should be getting and what we deserve, uh, as long as we get the education put in the action. But that's step number one in making sure that we understand that, hey, we are a child of the most high God. We got royal blood flowing through our veins and he made diamonds for his people. That's, that's kind of my philosophy. Uh, so the key thing is understanding you are worthy. You do deserve it. If you've done the work, you do deserve it. So that's number one. The second barrier to entry really is just education. Getting around the right network, which is the third barrier to entry, is being around the proper network, whatever that takes. There's meetups somewhere near you that talks about multifamily, house flipping, wholesaling. It, for that matter, um, making knitted goods and taking to the swap meet. There's a meetup in here that whatever yes. your niche is, there's a meetup that you can hang around with like-minded people, get those seeds of belief, get that confidence 
and then take that education to the marketplace and start taking action. And then you're not wasting your time because concentrated action, especially for those of us, you know, I had a W-2, excuse me, at the time I had a business, but I was still getting education on flipping houses, wholesaling and getting rentals. So, and we did that quote unquote on the side. It really wasn't on the side. It was at the same time. Uh, so, and your time is very limited, but without that education, I would have been spinning my wheels and possibly even, probably even given up. So I, my first recommendation is this, there's something called the RIA for specifically real estate. Now the RIA is the real estate investment association, RIA, R-E-I-A. And if you go to RIA.com, you'll find the local RIA real estate investment association meeting in your area, usually an hour, a couple hour meeting once a month. And you can pay 10 bucks, go in, and, and there's everybody in that room. There's newbies like you, there's multimillionaires, there's contractors, there's realtors, there's mold people, there's you name it. They're all in that room. And if it's a well-organized one, you'll get some good education from a guest speaker. I've spoken to a lot of them. And that's kind of how you begin your process is getting around people, getting seeds of belief, getting confidence with education, and then taking some educated action. Highlight, taking action <laughs> on those notes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and and good. so the year of 2023 was a little challenging. Um, so I've heard from a few different uh, interviews, other interviews, as far as the market goes. What has been one of the biggest challenges for you in 2023? And what do you see being different with the real estate market in 2024? So... You've probably heard it said that there's not a lot of people that want to work right now. I think that's an exaggeration, but there is truth to the point that it's hard to find qualified people um, and uh, that that um, that are willing to work for the wages that you've put in your budget. So what's changed is the cost of those people have gone up because of the supply and demand, right? The demand for those people with those skills, generally you're generally you're stealing talent from other companies because the people with talent aren't sitting at home waiting for you to call for it to, to give them an interview. So um, that's probably been one of the biggest challenges, finding qualified property management managers, on-site managers, finding qualified maintenance technicians that have air conditioning certifications. Now I don't have to hire them because I have third-party property management companies that that's who they work for but i still have to have them hired by them so they're the ones that are really struggling yep yep so um it's to find people which in, in the end hurts us because we need those managers we need those those maintenance managers so that's probably been the biggest struggle like everybody else uh, and i've heard anyways in the employment market yeah. is to find qualified people that are willing to work that that can do the job yeah. And uh, I see differently in 2024. I just, uh, that's probably not going to change. Here's what's going to change. How much you need to pay those people to, to get them to come on board and then to retain them. Not only what you pay, but also your benefits package mm -hmm. is going to reflect the fact that there is a shortage of those people and you need to underwrite the deals that you're underwriting accordingly to, to show um, that increased labor cost. So that's number one. 2024, honestly, I, I think 2024, I'm, I'm a bit of an optimist to begin with, but I'm bullish on real estate in 2024 on every level. I think interest rates will come back down. Everybody's sitting there a little bit astonished that they didn't take advantage of the 2.9, 3.5, 4.5. Yeah. 
whatever interest rates, well, they'll come back. They won't go to 3%, but they'll go to 4.5%. Honestly, if they go to 5.5%, that's normal, guys. 5% interest rates is normal. That's not that's not high. It's high compared to what you could have got two years ago, but that was a that was a unicorn. You're not going to see 3% interest rates again, in my opinion. You're going to see fives, and fives is a beautiful thing. Um, I honestly see, I'm seeing 5.5s go on right now, in case you haven't shopped in a while. Talking to a realtor that was at my house for a get-together on Saturday. She just closed the property. It was at 5.3%. So wow. really, it's just a matter of, uh, and she actually closed a new build project that was special financing through the build. It was 4.9% for 30 years. No mm -hmm. buy-down on that interest rate. So times are getting more normalized right now. Mm -hmm. And we're right in, at the beginning. Just ended February about at the time of this taping. Just ended January and going into February. We've got a lot of year left. I honestly believe we'll be in the fours before long, and that's just going to skyrocket real estate once again on the single family level. Mm. Rents will start increasing again, and we'll show increase the, the value of, um, of multifamily properties. Mm. So do you, you don't think there will be a crash then on 2024? I don't think there'll be a crash, but you know, it's all who you ask. If you ask Robert Kiyosaki or Grant Cardone, oh, there's going to be a crash. I, I, they may have a different answer, but my answer is no, I don't think there's going to be a crash. I think the demand is too high. Will people pay less for rents? Maybe. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> Here in California, it's insane. Insane. The prices, the rents, um, it, it doesn't matter. Before you had the option of like, hey, I'm going to go rent. But even now, rents is just as bad. So, yeah. And so, in your opinion, what do you think is the, the secret of being a successful real estate investor? Uh, I think this, I don't know if there's a secret. There's fundamentals that you need to follow. On a, One of them is we've already talked about another them is seek out education, find your mentors, Take action on that. Establish your power team. Right? We're gonna we're gonna need realtors. We're going to need an escrow company. We're gonna need attorneys. We're gonna need lenders. We're gonna need all all all, all those things that make up a, a. And I could go on and on about the power team, but start establishing that long before you need it. If I had it to do over again, I probably would have spent more time in preparation in the beginning. I was off to a much slower start than I possibly could have been because I didn't take the time to put my power team in place. They told me to, I just didn't listen. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, networking, I think for for just about anything, right? I think networking and getting those connections um, is really important to set you up for success. So yeah. definitely agree. Yeah. And when you, you're talking about um, um, somebody that's going to teach you, right? Having a coach, what is your, because there's so many coaches out there, you know, bringing you down the stars and the moon and telling you they're going to make you as successful as them as them right so how do you suggest somebody should pick a coach like what what is there to look for so that they don't run into people that might just be doing it for the money well you brought up a great point so you know if you look there's probably 700,000 coaches if you google performance coach right so um most of those people aren't far enough along down their minefield to maybe take you where you want to go in your minefield. So really you're just looking for credentials. What have they accomplished? Are they far enough along to where you feel comfortable with them? There's personalities that also need to mesh. 
but I would do an interview process. Most of them are looking for $10,000 plus for six right. months or a year. It's not uncommon for, you know, high level coach to be 30 grand for six months, mm -hmm. six months. Yeah. So I would ask questions. How long are our sessions? 45 minutes, hour and a half. How often are our sessions? These are in the weed questions. Um, if I'm unhappy halfway through, 25% through, how does an exit look? What does that look mm -hmm. like? You know, so have those conversations. They're not comfortable conversations, but they're necessary. Yeah. yeah. Because That's I'll like tell great. you, there's nothing worse than being halfway through a coaching agreement, contract, whatever you want to call it, only to find out that you're not getting fed what you thought you were going to be fed or you're feeling let down. The communication's not there. Um, what Texts and emails not being answered in a timely fashion. 24 hours is usually a reasonable expectation if that's not happening then then you should you should have the op, op, the option to to uh, to bail to get out of that that agreement yeah yeah i agree yeah I, i've been there so i completely agree with that i i won't mention who this this program is but i felt a bit let down for the price and for what they claimed that you couldn't even set up a coaching call with your coaching person um and or or you would sign up and then they wouldn't show up and it wasn't like a one-time thing it was three times no call no show no nothing so it, it was it's yeah it's yep. and not only that Perfect but to be example. paying that much money for a program you it, it it's hard for us as as individuals to put that money out but then for it not to be bringing you anything it's even worse 100 percent. yeah absolutely most of the coaching that I've paid for, I've, I, I would sing their accolades. I've been pretty lucky not running into a coaching company that let me down. That hasn't happened for me. Um, but I've had some mediocre ones that I thought should have been superstars, if I were completely honest. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it happens. So just, guys, do your due diligence. Ask around. Um, it, I mean, most of these places have, like, Facebook pages. And I would ask around members. You know, I, I think – if I would have done that, I would have not had this issue because then I heard it from other people that were, they happened to have gone there or they were part of their Facebook group. And if I would have asked those questions, I would have had a little bit more information on them and made the correct decision. So um, yeah, just food for thought. So I see you out there on social media and you know, I'm a social media manager. Um, what are you guys currently doing to like how are you using social media what are tips that you would give to people to get on social media i know not everybody is mm, open to being out there and creating content what, what is your mindset on that well i will tell you one of my mentors is ryan panetta he's a much younger guy than me and he has says this three this three avenues to wealth and i have to agree with him one of them is business ownership, right? Entrepreneurship. One of them is real estate. And the other one is posting on social media and using, utilizing that as another way, way to wealth. So there's so many ways that you can do it now. If you're, if you're camera shy, there's ways to do it without even turning on your camera. There's absolutely, if you are not on social media, number one, let's just get that out of the way. You're missing the boat because it doesn't cost a ton of money. You don't need to boost your, your posts. You can, and there's reasons why you will, but you don't need to, to begin yes. growing your following, right? Um, 
I'm currently using it because we are we have a goal. One of our big audacious goals for 2024 is to grow my inner circle community to 100 members. We're currently just south of 20 members, right? So I really haven't focused a concentrated effort on it. So I am using my content uh, as you know the final portion of my videos. Say, DM me the word such and such so that I can send you some information, which I do. I capture email. You can, and any of your listeners, just so you know, I would love to invite them to come to one of our monthly meetings at no charge as my guest so they can put their toe in the water and see if it's a good fit for them. Uh, but, you know, that's what I'm using it for right now is really um, to for awareness so that people can be aware, number one, that they have a community and number two, what it's all about. Hmm. And tell me more about this the program that you're trying to um, share with them sure so um we again we talked about the pillars you know we're full rounded success that's what we believe in and it's not it doesn't be you know and it's pretty much in this order which is my walk with the lord my relationships right it's so important uh for success number two is my health Right. Or sorry. Number two is my health. Number three is my relationship. Because number one, if my relationship with the Lord and my and my health is no good, who cares about anything else? Right. That's my philosophy. Mm -hmm. uh, relationships. Right. Number with myself. Number one, I got to love me, uh, my significant other, my kids, and then the marketplace. Right. So mm -hmm. then personal developments. Right. Then comes my wealth. Notice where wealth comes in. I got my walk with the Lord, my health, my relationships and my personal development, then wealth is inevitable. It just happens. And then last on the pillars is contribution, giving back. And we talk about all of those at my monthly meetings. I have hundreds of hours of content behind the paywall of my website that you can go back and search any category and learn about real estate, learn about multifamily, wholesaling, all those things, which I'm developing a course for that right now. But, but at least the meetings, I touch on all that wealth compounding wealth, saving taxes, which is another form of income, is save taxes. We, we mm -hmm. talk about all that stuff in the community for people becoming their best version of themselves. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. really the key to the community. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Amazing. And do they have to be um, Christian or, or any religious association? They don't have to be Christian. Okay. Nope. They don't. They don't have to be any Christian, but they. I. But I will, like I have on during this call. I don't hold back what my beliefs are. Right. Uh, you know. But I'm. I, yeah. But I'm not. Uh, I'm not beating anybody on the head. The key thing is that people understand that it's full rounded success. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for me, also for the people that are not religious, you know, I, I am a big believer. There is a higher being, right? And like the universe, I, I don't particularly associate with like one single religion but i do believe that everything are in our lives the universe is conspiring for us and everything that we go through life it's setting us up for the best version of ourselves so whether you believe that is jesus christ or just the universe like don't don't be so close-minded that you won't listen to somebody because they have a certain specific belief in in you know a religion so because you might miss out on, on amazing information um if you you're narrow-minded so absolutely point that out yeah and yeah yeah we'll finish out the round with a rapid round which my last podcast interviewer um he gave me a little hard time because he was like well that's not a rapid round <laughs> i'm still calling it a rapid round until i figure out what else to call it <laughs> okay, so it'll be okay. six questions and the 
the answer could be as long or as short as you want it to be. Um, so the first question goes, what is one thing you wish you knew before you started your journey? And I know you've been through so many journeys in your life. So whichever you prefer to share one or all. Uh, one thing, if you think it's impossible, it's not. Mm, I love that. What is one of the most challenging projects you have worked on and what did it teach you? Uh, most challenging projects that I've worked on is probably um, a multifamily uh, syndication that I put together that everything that could go wrong went wrong. Uh, and we had left some room for margin, but what I learned from it is leave more room for margin because we're still current. We still currently own that property. It's doing well but it's just taken a whole lot longer to get to the point where it's doing well than we had underwrote it for. So I teach my students to make sure to leave enough margin of error to where no, when everything doesn't go well, then, uh, and you should just plan on things not going, yeah. no deal goes well, but when, but when five things don't go well, you need to be prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as a beginner, it's really hard because first, you, first of all, you don't know, so you really have to be careful in making sure that that margin is there. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. Question number three: What is the best piece of advice you've ever ever received as an entrepreneur? Take action. Yep. So this thing we call education, I I I um, I relate that to the ski lift, right? We all have ridden a ski lift, most of us, at some point in time, where we climb to the top of the mountain. Too many people never never push off at the top and they just ride it back down and ride it back up and ride it back down and ride it back up. That's education. That's people that are sitting there eating popcorn, watching everybody else make things happen, getting educated, paying for the education, but never really doing anything with it. Take and kick off that slope and start skiing down the mountain. Yeah. And I know it's easier said than done, but just <laughs> jump in. I know it's the scariest Good. thing, but... Just go for it because the worst yeah. thing that could happen is that you quote unquote fail, right? But you gain the experience, the knowledge, and then the next time you do it, you're going to be even better at it. So yeah. don't let this mentality of failure stop you in your tracks. Because for yep. me, it, it is not failure. It's learning moments that make you better. So that's Absolutely. just my thought on that. I love that. So I love what is, that. what do you think is one of the most um, satisfying aspects of what you do? Uh, change lives, quite frankly, uh, and on so many different levels, whether it's the, and I'm not just talking about the contribution side right now, but the people that I partner with in multifamily that come along for the ride, whether they're just a limited partner investor and I'm teaching them or whether they're actually one of my general partners that are students went through the same education I did only 10 years after I did that are still going through the learning process. The education that they're getting from the experience is the foundation for an unbelievable financial freedom future. Mm, I love that. And <laughs> last question. And if you had a message for new entrepreneurs, what would it be, especially those that are just getting started? Just know that it, in the beginning, that feeling of, I don't know if it's insecurity or fear. We'll just call it that feeling of fear is normal. And I talk about that quite a bit in my book about you're no longer the employee that gets a paycheck. You're now the one that is expected to write the checks. 
So, and there's a, there's a, there's a, it's a feeling of intimidation. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for where that is normal and you will overcome it. And there's a, there's a, there's an element of unknown that will never be known until you actually are the business owner. You can be trained, you, all the details, all the things that go along with running a business. I, I learned all that from being mentored by Richard, but until you're the guy that's actually, you know, uh, I love it best and it's, it's good. Um, Phil, for those people that watch Deadliest Catch, Captain Phil, Lord rest his soul, who's no longer with us. He had a saying that he would say on the on the show, the captain's chair is a lonely place, right? Mm. So you you will be the captain, and from time to time, you will be required to make some decisions that aren't so popular, but yeah. and you can't be taught those by somebody else. And mm. that intimidation is what I was talking about. Don't worry about it because there's growth there's growth in the process. And for you to become your best version, you have to go through that growth. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And, and it's challenging. Just like you said, that, that uh, transition of being an employee to, a, to an entrepreneur. And I was just having a conversation about this. For me, the biggest challenge was when you are an employee, you show up and there's expectations of you and what you have to complete right and as an entrepreneur everything gets dumped and you got to sort it out and you got to figure out what is more important right but just like rob just said it's just like don't don't let it don't, don't drown on it right and don't think that you have to have step five when you haven't even taken step one like start at the beginning and everything will play out. But all you have to do is just continue, continue chipping away and things will find the way that they need to go and everything will work out. Just just know that everything will work out because the universe, the Lord, whatever you believe in, it, it's conspiring for you to be successful and for you to achieve the things that you're setting yourself up for. Totally but agree. you just have totally to continue agree. to chip away, so. Yeah. 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 The and the process of maturing in our walk in business uh, is no different than the farm system, right? Think about the farm and the laws that evolve around the farm. We have to plant, we have to water, we have to nurture, we have to weed, we have to make sure the sunlight, we have to protect it, we have to protect it from the cold, right? Mm -hmm. All those things have to happen for the crop to come up. And then when it finally comes up, we still have to take good care of it. That that you can equate that to your walk in business, your walk in your marriage, your walk in life. Mm. Not, no one's gonna you can't you can't shortcut any of that. You have to go through each and every phase so that you can be mature and ready for the next phase. Because it all starts here with our minds. Yeah, so absolutely. whatever it is that, that, whatever you need to do to get yourself there, reach for it. You know, like you have to search within yourself to find out. Because everybody, nobody's, we're not the same, right? Rob might need something different than I do, right? So you need to do your own work to figure out what you need for your mind to be right for you to be successful. But it all lays on your hands. and you doing the work and walking the walk and 
not just talking the talk. So thank Amen. you so much, Rob. I appreciate you making the time to be here with me. For all my listeners, I appreciate you listening today, joining me here to listen. And another thing I want to mention, like I always do, is making sure that you take action, right? So for anybody that wants to get a hold of you, wants to talk to you more, where can they reach you uh, or where can they find you? Best place is Instagram. We can message through there. You can follow me. I'll follow you back. It's at Rob Rosell at r-o-b-r-o-w-s-e-l-l and uh yeah let's stay connected there for sure awesome any any last message that you want to put out for any of the viewers or anyone well as i sit here at the level that i'm at and the life that i live now i have to pinch myself from time to time because it's hard for me to believe the journey that the Lord has allowed me to live. If, if I, I don't deserve the life that I live today, I hope I never get what I deserve. But at the end of the day, the, the message is this. If I can, if this knucklehead with an eighth, eighth grade education, I never finished ninth grade, uh, can accomplish the things that I've accomplished, what's your excuse? Get it done. Get it done. Mm. I love it. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> thank you. Uh, and thank you everybody thank you, again. We will see you guys on the next episode.